0: Hey, good morning. My name's Doug. I'm the senior pastor here at Live Oak, and we're in a series called Talking to Myself. I've been trying my best to convince anyone who will listen that you do this a lot more than you think, and it matters more than you know. We all have this inner dialogue that's one of the most constant voices in our life because we're always with us, and I think we say more things to ourselves than we, than we really uh, acknowledge at times. And it makes a difference because what you hear shapes you. Uh, And so we want to pay attention to this voice in our head, and and the idea, what we're saying is, could a key to a new year and a new you be how you talk to you? And this is not a series about the power of positive thinking. It's a series about the importance of self-truth telling and getting a hold of that inner voice and making sure and actually just being aware, are you telling yourself truth or lies? It matters more than you know or You do it more than you think, and it matters more than you know. And last week, um, or actually, initially, the first week, we talked about just being aware, kind of having an awareness. And we asked the question or made the statement, make sure you're filling your life with truth or your self-talk will tell you lies. And I've been very honest. Three weeks in a row, I want to admit it. If you ever tell me anything, I am fact-checking you. I'm a conspiracy theorist, and I, I'll say, okay, you seem like a believable person but I need to find out for myself if that's true. I do that with everybody except me. I just take my word for it. If I tell myself something, well, it's got to be true. Either because I want it to be true or it feels like it's true or it's just, I'm just kind of casual with how I speak to myself. Well, last week we talked about a tool and a question that could help you is if you could think about the me you want to be, like who you are becoming in Christ, or even just New Year's resolutions when you think about who you want to be at the end of the year. And we talked about the importance of having current you and future you have conversations. For instance, what would future you tell current you about the choices you're making today? It's a game changer. And some of you have said, this week it actually helped me. When I thought about who I want to be, it's changed the way I think, speak, spend, eat, exercise, All kinds of things. And if you can think future you, who you're becoming as God shapes you, and then you that you want to be, that future you, when it asks that question, what would future you tell current you about the choices you're making today? It changes the choices you make today if you listen. Well, I want to give you another question today that could be very helpful. It's helpful for me, and I want to tell you a little backstory about how it came about. Uh, A friend of mine, Paul Allen and I, Paul is... uh, He's 67. He's 18 years older than me. You can do the math. He's 18 years older than me, 67, and we are really good friends. But I don't ever see him because he lives in Toronto and I live here, but we used to be on staff together with who I used to work for, Hockey Ministries International. And he was the director for Ontario, and I was uh, the director for Texas and the two hockey hotbeds of the world. And, and, uh, but at staff conference, we just hit it off when we first met so much so that we were kind of thinking, how can we make HMI Texas, Hockey Ministries of Natural Texas and Toronto kind of overlap? Like, what can we find in common to work on? He was just a great friend. And I'll never forget one time I asked him, I said, Paul, would you mentor me? You know, you're an older, wiser person. And he goes, well, older, yes, wiser, no. And I said, would you mentor me? And he said, no. All right, okay. Not how I thought this would go down. Thanks, thanks so much. He goes, no, 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 I won't. I don't want to mentor you because he goes, I feel like I have as much to learn and gain from, from you as you would from me. So why don't we just mutually encourage each other as we follow Christ together and grow as leaders and as men and all these things. I was like, that's great. Let's do that. So we've been friends. And so I have not seen Paul. Uh, I saw him last March, but before that, I hadn't seen him for about six years. This was a really good friend. And we talked on the phone and stuff like that. And he said, we need to get together. So we've had this plan. We cooked up this scheme. He's in Toronto in the winter. And he goes, goes, we need to get together. And it's got to have palm trees involved. I'm like, I'm in. I love palm trees. And I said, you know what? I've got to go to a conference in Florida. Why don't you come down and let's hang out for a few days before the conference? This was last March. Plan came together. We got together. And we met up in Tampa, Florida. And uh, we got together and... I was in a place in life where I was in the weeds. Now, I've spent enough time in the weeds that it's almost like a vacation home for me. And as a matter of fact, my mailing address often reads the weeds, but the post person can't find me because I'm so deep in it. They just kind of have to, you know, return to center. Like, I spent a lot of time in the weeds, but I was deep, deep in the weeds. And I told him that coming into, I go, Paul, I'm not gonna be my normal self. I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling right now. It's like, okay, well, I can't wait to hear and talk about it. So we get together, the first time we're together, and we're in this place called Ybor City. It's a part of Tampa. It's old, historic Tampa. And we're sitting at this place drinking Cuban coffee, and we're sitting at a table kind of like this, and we're sitting here talking. He goes, tell me what's going on. And, and so I just kind of tell him my story of where I'm struggling. And I tell him and I, with great detail, and I hold nothing back. And at the end, I kind of say, so that's what's going on. And he just sits there for a long time. And then he says, Doug, and he, and he asked this question that was really helpful for me. He said, what would you tell you if you were sitting across the table from you? Now, my first thought is, well, that's a cop-out. Yeah, easy answer. I was like, I don't want to wade into the weeds. Like, I don't know. That's not what he was doing. What would you tell you if you were sitting across the table from you? And he explained, he goes, you've probably sat across the table from somebody who is kind of struggling with some similar things. What did you tell them? And is any of that stuff you should be telling you? And what he really did is he got kind of the heart of the issue for me. For me, I didn't need new information. I needed application. I needed to do something with what I already knew. Now, there are times when you're in the weeds, and it's a new reality, and you need new information. Sometimes you deal with something and you go, I've never dealt with this before. I need new information. A lot of the things in life that get us stuck or derail us, new information is not required. In the eight, mid-'80s, there was this cartoon called G.I. Joe. Anyone ever watch it? Okay, so you guys will get this. So G.I. Joe, a real American hero and this, it was this cartoon where they would fight the enemy. Cobra, thank you. And they would fight the enemy. And at the end of it, they would usually do this public service announcement. One of the characters would come and talk to some kids who were playing with matches or being careless around water or something usually safety or stranger danger related. And they would say, hey, just so you know, playing with matches can burn your house down. Or, hey, if you're careless around water, you could drown. That's not exactly the way they say it, but it was that kind of idea. They would say, you didn't know this. Let me tell you this. And now you know. And they were, the response would be, knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. And then it would go to cr- credits. A real American hero. So I'm so sorry I did that. <laughs> my deepest apologies but there is some there's a there's two great truths about that idea knowing really is half the battle if you don't know what to do you can get lost and get stuck and it's it's scary sometimes new information is required but sometimes you know what to do and you don't do anything with it and some of the reason you feel totally defeated is you're only fighting half the battle. It's half the battle, but there's more to it than knowing. Information does not lead to transformation, but it helps. Jesus, through his presence in your life, through his Holy Spirit, brings transformation. But information can help us point us to him. It can point to solutions, it can point to all kinds of things, but just knowing something and not doing something with it. You can get stuck, and some of us feel totally defeated because we're only fighting half the battle. Well, G.I. Joe wasn't the only person that that said that. Actually, long before that, James, the half-brother of Jesus, yeah, good luck living up to your brother's reputation if your brother's Jesus, James who at first didn't believe Jesus was who he says he was, then was absolutely convinced that he was who he says he was, that he was God with us, that he was the son of God, so much so that he's willing to die for it. James writes this to us about half the battle. He says this in James 1, verses 22 and following. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. He says, don't merely listen. Like, listening's good, but if you just do that, merely listening is deceptive. You know the answer, so you think it's, everything's good. But if, if you don't do anything with it, it does you no earthly good. It's deceptive sometimes to know the truth and not act on it it feels like, well, I know that already. I know the answer. I know what to do here. I know who God is. I know all these things, but I don't do anything with it. Listening is only half the battle, but it is a key part of the battle. Like don't underestimate the value of feeding your life with truth. Because if you're telling yourself lies, it's probably because lies are coming into your life. So that's why you have to feed your life truth. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, it's so important. If you want to grow a big faith in a big God, hearing truth matters. He says this in Romans chapter 10. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. That's half the battle. It's important. You've got to hear it. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. The best truth you can fill your life with is the truth about who Jesus is. I was at a funeral yesterday, and and one of the great things that the kids... um, said about their mom was they introduced us to Jesus. She did that for us. She introduced me to Jesus, and it changed my life. If you're not feeding your life truth about who God is, who you are in Christ, who others are, and how life works in God's kingdom, like if you don't feed yourself that truth, somebody else will gladly feed you something else. And if you want to grow a big faith, it starts from hearing the truth about who God is. And as you feed it to your life, the question is, how are you doing that? If you're gonna do that, how are you doing that? What is your plan? Do you have a plan for tomorrow how you will feed your life truth? On my phone, like, I love it. We live in a day and age where information is available. Like, let me just ask a quiz here. If you're sitting around and someone says, hey, who was the guy that was in that movie uh, who was who was that in that movie? What do people instantly do if they don't know it? Yeah, hey, wiretap. Who is it that uh, what started in that movie? Like, right? Like, like we can we can have facts right there. And the great thing is, like, I have on my Bible the U version Bible app. Like, I can look up Bible verses every day. I get a verse of the day. I have a reading plan. I'm doing two right now. I do Live Oaks reading plan and I'm also reading through the Bible uh, in one year plan. I'm doing that every day and and I'm feeding my life truth. That's my plan. I know tomorrow, I'm not gonna hope that truth finds me. I'm gonna go seek out truth. What's your plan? And if if, if feeding yourself truth from, from the scriptures is part of your plan, I hope it is. If you're doing that, it's important to not just read it but reflect on it and then respond. What's your plan? Because the key thing about reading it and reflecting on it is you have to do that third step. You have to respond. James continues and he says this, and he uses the example of a mirror. Anyone who listens to the word, God's truth, but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Mirrors are truth-tellers. Sometimes we like what it tells us, sometimes we don't. But if you all of a sudden realize, that Sharpie I was riding with earlier, I must have had an itch because, whoops, I got a little Sharpie on my cheek. And typically, if you look in the mirror and you see a smudge or something that doesn't belong, you fix it. You don't go, oh, well look at that, I got spinach in my teeth. People will find that amusing later. I'm just gonna leave it where it is. Or what's even more absurd, he says, it's the person who looks at themselves in the mirror and goes, there's spinach in my teeth and they're horrified and they go, oh, but I gotta hurry to my next appointment and they just forget about it and they go throughout the day. He says, we do that all the time. We look into the mirror and we see something that's true about God or ourselves that requires us to respond, to adjust, to do what it says. And we forget, and we just carry on forgetting to do what it says. We immediately forget. We do this with things like buying milk. We do note to self, buy milk. Note to self, don't forget about that important phone call. Note to self, don't forget that the final Exam is on this date. We set reminders for things that are important. Are you setting reminders, these notes to self about truth, about who God is and who you are in Christ on a regular basis so you don't forget? Because we are very forgetful people. But the consequences of forgetting milk versus forgetting your identity in Christ is so gravely different. I can buy more milk. But if I live out of this false identity of who I am, I will always find myself in the weeds feeling that I'm lost and alone. Spiritual knowledge without spiritual action is no spiritual good. It's just information. It's helpful if there's a quiz or a test or a trivia contest. But this is meant for transformation, not information. It's what God's truth is for. So, one of the ways we do this, um, and and I'm going to ask for a moment of confession here. Don't don't worry, it's safe, sort of. How many of you hit the snooze button at least once every day? Okay. I'm raising my hand as well, and I'll let you know that I actually am kind of paranoid. (laughs) It's not a shocker that I get paranoid, and I'm thinking, what if I accidentally hit the off button instead of the snooze button? So, I set more than one alarm. Who sets more than one alarm every morning? Keep your hands up. Who sets three? Who sets four? Five? Six? Your planning rivals the greatest in our culture. We we (laughs) applaud you for your thoroughness. You will never sleep through. Have you ever overslept and missed an appointment? Okay, so even then. Well, <laughs> so the thing about the snooze button, we all eventually got up, right? If you hit the snooze this morning, snooze, I just need nine more minutes. Well, you're here, you eventually got up. You don't hit the snooze and delay and delay and delay and delay until finally you just, huh, it's two years and I haven't gotten out of bed. It, it, we, 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 we eventually do it. The thing is, with truth of what God wants us to do as a next step or what he wants us to believe about our identity of who we are in Christ or who he is. Sometimes we hit snooze on that and we don't get out of bed. We delay and we say, someday I'm gonna do that. God, not today, but someday, snooze, I'm gonna do that. And it's not, we don't think of it as disobedience. We just think it is a delay. I'll get there someday. Delayed obedience is disobedience when it comes to what God asks us to do. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And hitting the snooze on what God wants us to do puts us in a very dangerous position. And James, later in in this letter he wrote, identifies exactly what this is. James 4.17, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, hits the snooze, delays, it is sin for them. Sin, this thing that puts separation between us and God. Sin, this thing that, that pollutes our souls. And a great way of thinking about sin is it's, this, it's the letter, center letter of sin, S-I-N. It's putting I, self, at the center instead of putting God at the center. And anytime you put yourself at the center of the world, God can't be in that place. So the question to ask with every decision you're making is, who's at the center of this decision? Is it response to who God is and what he wants me to do? Or is it what I want me to do? Again, I say it a lot, follow your heart seems like great advice but it's putting yourself at the center. You were not designed to be at the center of your universe. Jesus is. That's where things work right. That's where transformation happens. That's where redemption happens. If you know the good you ought to do and you don't do it, he calls it what it is. It's sin. It's wrong. It's deadly. It's deathly and hitting the snooze on what God wants you to do. It may feel just like I'm delaying it. It's not that I'm not doing it. I'm just not doing it yet. Delayed obedience is disobedience, and it does you no good. It goes on in verse 25, James does, of chapter one. The person who looks in their mirror and walks away, there's an opposite of that. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, And continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. James is almost mirroring what he heard Jesus taught teach in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter seven about two kinds of people who are building something in their life: one who builds on the rock that can survive any storm, and one who builds on the sand. The one whose a storm comes and they just get washed away. And it has everything to do with not just hearing and knowing the right thing. It's building your life on it and putting it into practice. And James says, when you do that, you will be blessed. And and one of the reasons we don't do it is it's not because we think, well, I don't want to be blessed. We think it's restrictive. But James points out, no, the perfect law gives freedom it opens up possibilities that were not possible before. It sets you free from something. One of the reasons we're not putting it into practice is because we don't believe that. I don't believe that it will give freedom to my life. When I was with Hockey Ministries, an example I would often use about this is we would talk about, and it's not, don't do this in Lubbock, but like when the lake freezes over, the don't go ever go ice skating on a Playa Lake. But if you go ice skating on a lake in Minnesota or Ontario, someplace like that, you can go out and skate on it. You can go ice fishing. I'm not sure why. You can go out on the ice, and it's, a, it's just great experience. You go out there and skate. But if you see a sign that says, danger, thin ice, don't skate here, you would skate away from it because you don't want to fall through and get frozen, drown, and die. You're having freedom Because there's a boundary that says, stay away from this area. God's truth is trying to point you to the place where life works best, where you work best, where you connect best with God and with others. His restriction is not an act of uh, withholding. It's an act of freedom and setting you free. And some of us don't lean into his truth because we don't believe that it gives freedom but the promise is they will be blessed in what they do. The word blessed, we did a whole series about that word blessed. It literally means it's to your advantage. God wants to put you in an advantageous situation. It's to your advantage to do what God says. He has the better perspective. He has your best interest in mind. He's the one who created the universe. He knows how it works best. He's the one that created your mind. He knows how it works best. He's the one who created your desire for relationships. He knows how it works best. He's the one who created you, your desire to contribute to the world. He knows how it works best. We need to listen to our creator because he will give freedom. And he says, that's the place where you're at an advantage and you experience God's blessing. Spiritual knowledge followed by spiritual action is the source of spiritual blessing. But the right words only matter if we act on it. This week, one of the uh, verses of the day from the Version Bible app came up, and it was Proverbs 18.10. And I'm, working, I'm thinking about this message, and so I thought, this is a great example of exactly the knowing and doing aspect of Scripture, of reading, reflecting, and responding. Proverbs 18, 10 says this, the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. Or in your translation, it might say, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. It's a position of strength. The righteous run to it and are safe. It's a place of safety. If you're in a place in life where it has any kind of threat, the safest place you can be is connected to God and at the center of his plan for your life. Safest place you can be. It might be challenging, it might be difficult, but it's the safest place you can be. I know that to be true. What would you tell you if you were sitting across the table from you? I would tell myself something like that. Hey, God's a strong tower. Run to him. Whether you're in danger or not, it's always the wise thing to do is to run to Jesus and to put him at the center of your life and make sure that you're at the center of his plans for your life. Safest place you can be. But there's a response required here. The righteous run to it and are safe. And some of us are living so far out of the boundaries of what we know know God wants us to do. And we're not safe. And we think, well, there must be a problem with the name of the Lord because he's not protecting me. He's not strengthening me. But I'm living outside of the tower. You can't live outside the walls of God's safety and security of saying, this is where I've designed you to live. And blame him if you choose to live outside of it. And the great thing about God is he runs after those who run outside of the fortified tower. He chases us down, not to say, what were you thinking? But to say, I'll do anything to get you back to the center of my safety. Of the security that comes from having me at the center of your life. And putting you at the center of my plans for you. So there's two things that have to go on. Do I, is what I'm telling myself is my note to self, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name of the Lord is a position of security, of strength. God, who he is and his plans for me are a position of strength. I need to know that and tell myself that on a regular basis. But at some point, it needs to move me to run to him to say, I'm gonna drop this so I can grab hold of him. Reading, reflecting, and responding is required. To just know who God is and not live any differently is dangerous. It's deceptive, is what James would say. Because, well, God's, God's a fortified tower, so I'm good to go. I can skate on thin ice and I should expect I'll be okay. No, respond to his leadership. Because ultimately, if you're telling yourself that God is a fortified tower, the Lord is my strength. If Jesus is my leader and my protector, my forgiver and my leader, if if he's all these things to me, but I'm not living like it's true, I probably don't actually really believe it. I'm memorizing things for trivia, not for life. The thing to know is the name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The thing to do is to run to it because that is the safest and most secure place you can be. But what Jesus said in Matthew 7 is the storm's still going to come. It affects everybody's life. But you want to make sure you're building on rock and not on sand, that you're in the tower, not out walking in the field. The difficulty for us is not just sorting out truth and lies. It's not just listening to and and sorting out right and wrong. The difficulty for us is what we feed ourselves. It's listening to truth and not listening to lies, but it's also doing what's right and not doing what is wrong. Because a lot of times we know the thing to do. We know the right thing. We know what we would tell us if we were sitting across the table from us. The problem is they don't listen to us. I don't listen to me. That's where I need God's help to win these battles. We talked about that last week. The three great truths you should be speaking to yourself on a regular basis is who is God, who am I, and what does he want me to do? That should be the the loop of what you're telling yourself over and over and over again, anything in those categories. Who is God, who am I, and what does he want me to do? They should be the, the, the content of our note to self like still buy milk, like write down that note. Don't miss that test, write that down. But what are the truths about who God is, who you are in Christ and what he wants you to do? Make sure you're writing those note to selfs on a regular basis and then have these mirror conversations with yourself where you speak that truth into your life. God is safe, secure and our refuge in a time of st- storm. God is loving and powerful and strong. Like you need to be telling yourselves on a regular basis. And it's not just what you tell yourself. Your self-talk needs to mirror the truth of what God says about you, about himself, about others, and about the world. You need to have those mirror conversations, but it needs to be mirroring what God says is true. So here's what I want you to do. Here's, Here's what I want you to do this week. Have some mirror conversations with yourself. Ask yourself the question, Is what is it right now if I was sitting across the table from me, what would I tell me to do? What is it you know to do that you're hitting snooze on? What are you delaying? What would you tell you if you were sitting across the table from you? And what steps will you take this week to make sure that when you have a mirror conversation, you look yourself in the mirror and you tell yourself something, what are you gonna do to make sure you're feeding your life truth What's the intake of truth that you're feeding into your lives? Because if you don't take care of that, your mirror conversations will probably be telling you lies. Figure out your spiritual truth menu for this week. Your plan. If you don't have a plan, it's probably not gonna go so well for you. I bet you have a plan. You said a lot of snoozes. Like, you're gonna have a plan this week. And then, Part of your plan has to include, I'm gonna do what God tells me to do. Think about your life right now. Think about your situation. If there was a map that says you are here, what would describe your life situation right now? And maybe you're in the weeds or maybe your life is good, wherever it is. Maybe we're all over the place in terms of our life experiences right now. But based on where you are right now, if you were sitting across the table from you having coffee, and you just pour it out with great, utter transparency and honesty, this is where I'm at these days. What would you tell you? What would you say, please do this, and maybe invite future you into the conversation of who God wants you to be someday, and you're not there yet who he's transforming you to be. Or maybe that you, that you're thinking, I've always wanted to be in this place in life. Invite that person in the conversation. And next week, we're gonna talk about the importance of, man, I'm so glad I've got a Paul Allen in my life. Of someone that can help me navigate the weeds as well as navigate the palm tree days. But is always there to kind of say, I wanna walk this with you and make sure that you're speaking truth to you because I care about you as well. But this week, have a mirror conversation with yourself. And make sure your conversations are mirroring the truth of what God says is true about him, you, others, and his plans for you. Let's stand for closing prayer. Heavenly Father, thanks that you love us. And you love us enough to tell us the truth. And truth can, can hurt at times, it can be hard at times, but you do that to give us freedom, to lead us to a place of spiritual blessing because that's where life works best. God, I pray you would grow our trust in you and our faith in you enough that we would step out and take our next steps and not hit snooze, that we would not delay. God, I pray that you would help us have a plan this week to fill our mind with truth. And I pray we'd be reminded that you were with us in those times to help us sort out truth and lies. And you would give us the courage, even more so the faith to take a step and do what we know that you've asked us to do. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for being here. Up inside your head, you got a voice that sounds